Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. Our Father, who art in heaven, as we open thy word, we pray that the same Spirit that inspired these writers to write these records will inspire each one of us here to a more fuller and clearer understanding so that we might rightly divide the word of truth and share it and hasten the day of your coming. In thy name we ask. Amen. Open your Bibles to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Now this is not a trite statement. Matthew 25 comes right after Matthew 24. Now that sounds a little ridiculous, but why did I say Matthew 25 right after 24? Because most people know Matthew 24 as signs of the end. So I like to associate Matthew 25 with Matthew 24 because it comes immediately after Jesus gave all of those signs. Now Matthew 25 is very unique in a number of respects. If you look, if your Bibles are open to Matthew 25, you'll notice there that the first 13 verses are all about the 10 virgins. So when Jesus got through with the signs, he spoke about the virgins. Now the amazing part about this story of the virgins, you know, is that five were prepared and five wouldn't, and they cried unto him, Lord, open unto us. And he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, I don't know you. Well, we're not here to go over the virgins. That's for another time. I'm only saying this is a very vital. He gave this, and lo and behold, at the end, some weren't ready, and even went so far as to say, I don't know you. There's a lot of people that know Christ, they know about Jesus, but do as he know you? Well, now, with that little background, I am only making that background to show you that the next parable that Jesus is as equally as important as the virgins, and it's right after talking about the signs of Christ's coming. And now I'm going to read, and you're going to follow along, and I'm going to make a few little comments um, and, as we cover this parable of the talents. And here's what it says in verse 14 of Matthew 25. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. Long story short, that's Jesus. He came here, he went, and he went back. Who called his servants and delivered unto them his goods? He told the disciples, do this and do that. And then he went to back to heaven. That's a very up-to-date modern commentary on the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, and he called his servants and delivered them his goods. He left him with his goods. I can't overemphasize that. His goods, Amen. his possessions. What did he do? He gave it to his servants. Who are the servants? I'll give you another phrase you don't always use. They're his slaves. Amen. Paul says, I'm a slave. You and I should be slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with the word slave. Amen except to who you're a slave to. Yeah. There may be some here that is a slave to the worldly rudiments, to the worldly ways, to the love of pleasure, good for food, pleasant to the eyes, to make one wise. We're yeah. slaves of gain, of greed. This is his own servants, his own slaves he gave to him 
part of himself. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey. He gave according to the ability. So it's not a matter of favoritism. It is a matter of what you can use and what you will use and develop. Some of it develop more. Some of it develop less. These, this young lady and this young man who played this, they have a talent. And they have developed it. The only reason between the, the only difference between them and us is we haven't developed it. I play the piano, but I don't play like before you came. I played for songs. There was one finger at a time to give the pitch. And so when you come, you make me look like, well, I won't use another term. But the point is this: He's given us several ability. We need to develop it. If I did develop mine. It would be like theirs. I didn't develop it. And straightway he went away. Verse 16. And he that received the five talents went traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Now some people would say that was a good plan. He wasn't going to waste it. He wasn't going to lose it. He was going to hide it and keep it. You know, you can rationalize and justify anything. You ever find that out? Yeah. I don't care who you are, who am I? We all can rationalize our wrongs. For every sin I've ever done, I can give you a good reason why I did it. Yep, I'll be honest. If it's no other reason, because I enjoyed it. The only sins you do are the ones you enjoy. You don't do any sins you don't enjoy. It's no fun. The only sins are the ones you enjoy. Terrible to admit, but it's true. If you're honest, it's true. And the Lord, it is the Lord's. Nineteenth, after a long time, the Lord of these servants cometh and reckoneth with him. He wanted to take account. <clears throat> what have you done? <clears throat> Verse 20. And he that received five talents brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents, before I have gained beside them five more. What did the Lord say? And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now, in many prayers I hear in services and in private, I hear this phrase, I pray it myself. I'm praying, I'm not making it. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. There's something about doing the Lord's will, doing the Lord's command, because he rewards them, you enter into his joy. And that's something to look forward to. Now the Bible says, you know, I came not to, that they have, might have joy and they might have life and life more abundantly. And I look at that as a, double, as a double blessing, not only here on earth, but in the earth made new. Because it says this, you have been faithful in how many things? Little things. Who are faithful in them? Now I can take off on that and a whole lot of things that which you and I don't feel is very important. We just cast it off on that, but it's an indication it's an indication. If we can't be trusted with little things, can we be trusted with any other things? This man was faithful, and the Lord said, Enter thou. 22. And also he received two talents, came and said, Lord, thou hast delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two talents and besides them. And the Lord said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in what? In what? Few things. Some are following. Some have Bibles. Follow along. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. 
Then he that which, you want to pay attention to this next section, maybe if you lost the other two. He that hath received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew. There he self-confessed right there. That was an admission right there. He probably should have never made because the Lord's going to talk to him about that. I knew. He knows the Lord, just like the five foolish virgins and hosts of others. He knew. He knew thee that thou art a hard man. Now, the Bible doesn't say that God is a hard man. This is the, this is what the man said. <laughs> I know you are a hard man. Now, you talk to some people, God is pretty tough. He requires too much, you know, and all that. Not the other two. But this one said, I know, I know you, and you're a hard man. See, this man, I'll tell you why he's a hard man. Anytime anybody has to sacrifice anything and give up something, that's pretty tough. I didn't hear any amens, but that's okay. Nobody wants to sacrifice anything. Nobody wants to give up anything. And this man didn't hear you. I know you're a hard man. And reaping where you haven't sown and gathered where you haven't strewn. That's a pretty strong accusation. You know, they're going to reap where you haven't sown and gather where you haven't strewn. Well, uh, let me tell you, the Lord can do anything. Yes. The Lord raises up people to do his work Amen. when the followers don't do his work. And that's why the man I see where people gather where you haven't, you haven't planted and they, they reap where you haven't sown. Praise the Lord for that. Remember he said he'll even have the rocks cry out and children and the like. The Lord is a God of love and mercy and of miracles. And then look what the man said, 25, I was afraid. How come the other ones weren't afraid? See, this is an excuse. This is an excuse. I was afraid and went it, hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, thou hast, that is thine. Now, I'm so proud of myself. You've given me this, and guess what? I never kept a bit of it myself. It's yours. Something to be happy for? Not exactly. And the Lord answered and said unto him, Wow. These are two, and I'm not going to go all through the Bible to find out where this is used and, and how the Lord developed this. Two things he said. He said, thou wicked and slothful. Wicked and slothful. It's one thing to be slothful in your business. It's another thing to be wicked. Nobody in any church, including this one, wants to be classified as being wicked. There may be slothful people here. No doubt there is. I don't know. But to be wicked and slothful from the Lord is pretty serious. Wicked and slothful for what the man did. Thou knew. Oh, he's repeating. You said I knew. You said it. You knew that I reap where I had not sowed not and gathered where I have not strewn. If you knew this, why didn't you do something about it? Thou oughtest, look at 27, thou oughtest thereto, there, therefore to have put my money in the exchangers, and then at my coming I should receive more mine own with usury. How come you didn't develop it? How come they use it and multiply it? Now, 28. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten. 29. 
the scripture reading. For unto every one that hath shall be given. And he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Amen. The one that doesn't develop, it's going to be taken away. Now what happens? In cast the unprofitable servant. I merely ask the question, that phrase, unprofitable servant. How could there be such a thing as an unprofitable servant of the Lord? Unpro you're serving the Lord. You're a slave. How could it be that there uh, be a church member, there could be a follower of Christ, a professed Christian, an unprofitable servant? It's contradictory. Unprofitable. Jesus said this, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I want you to thumb your Bible for four or five texts. I'm just going to show you one thing, and that is the meaning of the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Somebody here does not know what it means gnashing and the weeping of teeth. Okay, look at Matthew 8, 12. Matthew 8, 12. And we're going to read weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 12. Listen to this. This is kind of serious. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that comes at the end where the man says, only speak the word and it'll be healed. And he should include this because those people that supposedly scribes and Pharisees and whoever followed the Lord did not have faith. They did not, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out. Jesus said, that faith, I have not sound such faith as in Israel. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out of outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They're going to be lost. I think of the five virgins. They served the Lord. They did all these things. They lost. Matthew 22, 13. Let the Bible speak for itself. Matthew 22, 13, and this is what it says in the 13th verse. Then said the king unto the servants, bind him, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who is that man? He tried to come without a garment. He tried to work his way in. He tried to reject the offering of the Lord. Those are the verses preceding a very tremendous parable. The servant that tried to come without a garment. There shall be weep, cast him out. That's serious. Matthew 24, Matthew 24, just a page over, verse 51. In order to get this, verse 51, full, I'm going to read from verse 45. This is one of my favorite passages. One of mine. 
verse 45, and then you're going to get weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who then is faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made him ruler of the household, to give him meat in due season? Verse 46 of Matthew 24. Blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, find him so doing. That servant working, serving. He's a slave for the Lord. Verily I extend to you that he shall make him ruler over his goods. 48. But if that evil servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, when the Lord of that servant shall come in the day when he looketh not for him, in an hour that he is not aware of, and when, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him the portion with the hypocrites. That's Jesus saying, hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They receive the reward. For me, this is pretty serious about the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Now, verse 25, 30. We already read that. The unprofitable servant. The last text, I want you to turn in Luke. Luke 13. And this will be the last one in weeping and gnashing of teeth. Luke 13. Luke 13 and verse 28. 13 verse 28. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. Well, if you read before, it's about the servants that, like the five foolish virgins who said, we did this, we did that, and so on. He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I know you not. Now, why did I read all those texts? I want you to realize that the Bible says that people that don't develop their, ta their talents has a serious ending. Are you satisfied the way that you're living that when Jesus comes, he's going to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. I have one other text. I want to show you one of the John 15. This is a chapter that's preached on a lot, and it's, it's, it's important to preach on it. I'm only going to make one point, one and one point. John 15, verses 1 to 6. I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit shall be taken away. Don't bear fruit, taken away. And every one that beareth fruit, he purges that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cometh, cannot bear fruit of itself, except it shall abide in the vein, no more can ye except you abide in me. If you're not bearing fruit, it's obvious that the Lord isn't in you. Period. Verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same shall bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Here is the verse I'm emphasizing. All those other ones are tremendously important. If any man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they shall be burned. My point that I'm emphasizing on this is that the people that do not develop do not have a good ending. 
I don't want anybody to sit in any church and decide that they are so good in what they're doing that they are assured of salvation when we read passages like this. And when I read these, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, I'm applying them to myself. Where is my fruit? What am I doing for the Lord? What is it when I come? Have I taken my talents and developed them and multiplied them so I can be answered to the well done, thou good and faithful servant? Now, the next section of Missile Talk, which I will be closing in just a few minutes. I was told to close when I'm finished. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> and so this next part is the most important part, and it appears that it's one that I'm going to leave, give the least amount of attention to, but not purposely. Now, what are these talents? For your benefit, and I'm telling you exactly where I'm taking this, I'm taking my next comments from the book Christ Object Lessons. If you want a full development of this, this is fantastic. This is sobering. And so every time I do this, I go over it and I preach the sermon uh, in a different way. And brothers and sisters, I've preached this sermon so many times, I forget how I preached it the last time. Because I never preached the same sermon twice in the same way. It becomes boring to me. I have to restudy it and revitalize my own life and my application. So I am going to talk about the talents that you have been given, I have been given, and her comments, one or two. There's vastly more comments than what I'm going to. Now, you might want pencil and paper and write these down. If you want to know where it is in Christ's object lessons, I'm starting on page number, page number, page number, Three, three, three. Now the first talent, this is a commentary on this passage that I read. It's a commentary on the passage from Matthew 25. I don't want you to understand, get that mixed up. The first talent that Mrs. White mentions is mental faculties. Put it down. You have mental faculties. Every person has mental faculties. The only difference between our mental faculties is the way we developed them. Some of them have different er, uh, degrees. Some of them didn't go to school. Some, some of them, it's all different. But you have mental faculties. That's the point. And what did she say? God requires the training of mental faculties. He requires, if placed under the control of his spirit, the more thoroughly the intellect is cultivated. We need to use our minds and develop them. It'll be the greatest Amen. thing to, to get rid of, of dementia and Alzheimer's and all the rest. The study of the word of God is the greatest thing to improve the intellect. Amen. And we have a lot of idle and dull people because they fail to study the word of God. Mental faculties is a talent that God has given each one of us. Every one of us has it. Brothers and sisters, we're held accountable to develop that. The Lord, the Lord bids us to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this lays the very obligation upon developing the intellect to the fullest capacity. Number two, here's the second talent everyone has in this church and every church where I deliver this. Speech. Everybody has the talent of speech. That's on page 335. The power of speech. Should a talent be diligently cultivated. Of all the gifts we've received from God, none is more capable of being a greater blessing than this. With the voice we convince, we persuade, and with it we offer prayer and praise God. And with it we tell others of the Redeemer's love. Speech is a talent. 
And what do we hear? All kinds of foul language. And we repeat the things of the world. We repeat their songs. We repeat their phrase. We repeat what we are in the rate of the... We need to repeat the words of Jesus Christ. Amen. Speech is a blessing. Talk to those that don't have speech. I can give you a story after story, story after story. One is, uh, some of you, I don't know, I better go on to the talents. But I, uh, it's a fantastic story to illustrate this. How important is it then that you be so trained as the most effective your speech? You know, in the book of James, it says this. Out of the mouth comes blessings. And out of the mouth comes cursings. And then he says, these things out not so to be. How can a good tree give good fruit and then bad fruit? How can water be sweet and then be bitter? Brothers and sisters, we need to refine our speech. Amen. And when you speak, people listen. Because you speak with the power and authority of God. Amen. Third talent. Third talent. Not, whoa, here's one other. Not one word need to be spoken unadvisedly. Let no evil communication come out of your mouth. That's Ephesians 4. Evil communication. Oh, brothers and sisters, I like to take off on that. You know, we pride ourselves we don't do this and we don't do that. And the point is simply this. When some of these celebrities have, have other spouses in their life, everybody likes to read all the details and we kind of familiar ourselves with it more than we do the Sabbath school lesson. The third, inter, the, third, the third talent is this, influence. Everybody in this room, young or old, has an influence, a powerful influence. And what kind of an influence is yours? Every soul is surrounded by an atmosphere of its own in influence. Now listen, it may be charged with life-giving power of faith, encourage and hope sweet fragrance or it may be heavy chilled with gloom disconnect selfishness poisons with deadly tan of cherished by the atmosphere surrounding us every person with whom we come in contact is conscientiously or unconscientiously affected brothers and sisters you don't know what influence you have i can i can tell you many stories I'm just going to refer to one. There was a little lady, not of our church. Her name was Ann Kimmel. Everybody ever read a book by Ann Kimmel? Anybody ever? Well, that's way before your time, probably. But Ann Kimmel was a girl about this size, and, and, and she went to this junior college, and suddenly she got impressed with the idea she needs to, she needs to serve the Lord. She needs a witness for it. And this is what she did. She started singing. Every place she went, she sang. She got gas in her car. She'd stand there and sing songs. Everybody looked. She got in the elevator. She started singing songs, and everybody looked. She went in the grocery. Can you imagine you hear somebody singing, when the road is called up yonder, I'll be there? Can you imagine Jesus paid it all? She went around singing. One of the places she was in the hospital. She, every place she sang, just little songs. She didn't sound singing so everybody here. She didn't have an amazing voice. She just sang simple song, kind of undertone. You know what? She influenced many, many, many people. He had a following. Well, you see, it's a talent God has given me. I just wanted to share it. And you can sing. I heard you sing. We need to sing. We need to go door to door and sing and offer a prayer and bring courage. That's a talent of song. It's an influence. Number four. Number four. I'll get way late. Number four. This is the one I'd like to spend the longest period on. This is a talent everybody here in this room has equally. 
Every person in this room has this talent equally. What is it? Time. Time. And Mrs. White has a large section on time. I'm going to read some pretty startling thoughts. Our time belongs to God. Amen. I want you to repeat that. Our time belongs, say it again. Our time belongs to God. Every moment is his. And we are under the most solemn obligation to improve it to his glory. Now listen to this sentence. If you forget everything else, don't forget this. Of the talent, of no talent has he given us, will he require a more stricter account than that of our time. Amen. How have you used your time? Most of us are products today. Whatever we are, whatever ourselves, is the result of how we used our time. I didn't hear an amen to that either. But it's true. Most of us right here are a product, what we are, how we used our time, how we used our speech. Of no talent is gone. Time. You know, when coming back from overseas, after working overseas for these years, I've said this before, I say it quite frequently because I'm impressed by it when I even say it to myself. When I came back from overseas in the first sermon, I said this, and I've said it a hundred times. I've been impressed with one thing, and that is I have wasted a lot of time. Time I cannot redeem. And I've wasted a lot of money. A lot of money I have wasted. How can I make that up? When I went overseas to work, if I learned nothing more, I've wasted time. And brothers and sisters, we need to redeem the time. Amen. And she says, how do you redeem it? you got to work twice as hard. Amen. You know, for money even lost, you got to work hard. Time is ours. It's God's. What have you done? Wasted hours. Wasted hours. Front of the idiot box. What has it profited? You know, in a church bulletin not long ago, I just about sank. This is what it said in the church bulletin. Brother and sister and so-and-so will have an open house tomorrow at 3.30 to 6 o'clock and come over and bring your chips and dip and we'll watch the Super Bowl. Well, that's nice of them. I think that's wonderful. I don't know what good that's going to do when the Lord comes. I have never seen in a church bulletin to this day anywhere, brother and sister so-and-so says, come over, we're going to go out and do a little missionary work. Sing songs. Pray with neighbors. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for fellowship groups that have been burdened with the love for the lost people. I talk with people quite a bit from time to time, and I'll tell you what is a very common thing. They all love to people watch. Everybody loves to people watch. I never found anybody. They don't like city airports. It's just interesting. And people are going around. They just like to watch. And I say to them, do they know? <coughs> Did you know that there's a judgment day coming that Christ is about to finish his ministerial work? Probation's door will close. And that's where that text says, he that is just filthy, let him be filthy. So we won't even know the difference. He that is unjust, let him be unjust. He that is holy, holy. Remember, the Bible says, he that is holy, we got to be holy. He that is holy, let him be holy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. We have a high, wonderful standard which God gives his power to obtain and we're to be those people. And so people watching, 
What a pity. Thousands. Thousands there. Do they know? Rambling and a judgment day is approaching. Time. Upon the right improvement, our time depends our success. Next one. Next one after time is health. This is one of my pets. I've said this before. The students of my classes, if they want to delay anything or get me off, the first person raises hand, what do you think about eating thus and so? The rest of the class period will be on health. Everything else will be forgotten. They use that ploy. It's a strong, it's a strong thing with me from a young kid up. Health. Health is a blessing. Health is a gift from God. Amen. We need to guard it. We need to study how to preserve it. And keep our bodies. Is the Lord going to take a bunch of sick looking bodies. Depraved and all this sort of thing. They've abused it. Is that what he's taking to heaven? He's taking to heaven the people that have a simple. Garden of Eden diet. Amen. They will have reformed. They want to present their bodies a living sacrifice. Don't you know Paul says. That your body is a living temple of God. Him that defiles his body. What's God going to do? That's what the Bible says. My mother never had to read that text to me two times. Never had to read that text to me two times to get it into my head that I wasn't to defile my temple. She never sent me, oh, don't defile your temple. No, I had learned it from the Bible. And so the Lord blesses these medical people that give you physicals and all this. They tell me thus and so on, thus and so. And so I gently say to them, I'm not accustomed to taking that material into my body. <laughs> so they shocked right there. I said, well, number one, do you know what's in that stuff? Well, then, you know, does a medical guy know all the pharmaceutical ingredients of these shots and all this sort of thing? I said to him, do you take foreign materials into your body? You want to take something you don't know what is in your body and you're going to give it to me. And I'm going to take it for my body. What's it going to do? Destroy my immune system? You stand up for the Lord, the Lord will stand up for you. Amen. Daniel said, I'll not take anything into my body. The Lord blessed him. And brothers and sisters, we need Daniels and Esthers. And God's people who are willing to take a stand for him in their health and be a monument which God can bless and an honor to him. Health is a blessing of which you few appreciate. Few appreciate the value of it until it's gone. Transgression of the physical law is transgression of the moral law. The physical laws were given by God. So when you transgress the physical law, it's the same as transgressing the Ten Commandments. But we don't, do, we don't think that way. We're not accustomed to think. That's why be not conformed to this world. Renew the mind. Get all this garbage out that you're indoctrinated with and follow. Thus saith the Lord. The next talent, I get off. The next talent is money. Money. 
Money is a talent. God also entrusts men with means. He gives them power to get wealth. Isn't that wonderful? He gives us strength to give money. Our money has not been given us that we might honor and glorify ourselves. As faithful stewards, we are to use for the honor and the glory of God. Amen. When was the last time you ever gave? I'm not talking about tithes and all. When did you ever give some money away that was a little bit of for others to the glory of God? You know, I've said this before, and I make no apology about repeating. You know, I lived in the time when they had a chart up here. You know, number of Bibles here, number of people that studied the Sabbath, articles of clothing given away, cash donated to the, the, the missionary visits, all those things. I know by heart because I heard it for. 25 years growing up, and everybody, and then, you know, modern nation, can we get away with that, because, you know, that's kind of displaying. But the Bible says, let your light so shine that they may see your what? And glorify you. That's the problem we need to, you know, we're doing this not for any self-glorification, but for the glorification of God. Cash donated to the local wealth. When was the time you've ever given money? Time. I'm embarrassed when I hear my neighbors, well, they go down to the soup kitchens in Man once a week and they offer their, they go over Camellia's house and they go do this and they go and do this. And they, it's tremendous what some people are doing, sacrificing their time, their money, their gas for others. Jesus came to minister and not to be minister. And money has great value because it can do great good in the hands of God's children. <clears throat> now, the last talent. There are many others, but I'm going to close, believe it or not. <clears throat> the last talent is this, and I can tell you stories, bring your tears to your eyes about this. Brings tears to my eyes. This is a talent we all have. Kindly impulses and affections. Kindness. Christian kindness, Christian courtesy, affections, generous impulses, a quick appreciation of spiritual things, precious talents, lay the possessor under a heavy responsibility. Well, I'm going to tell you two short experiences about kindness. I could tell you many. Not long ago, I was at a seminar. At this seminar, they had different booths. At these booths were displays of whatever they were distributing or selling. These displays are manned by ladies that are hired to make nice impressions. And so they are, you know, charming young ladies. I passed by one in this very charming young lady approached me about, you know, what's there. And so she talked fervently and all that sort of thing. And uh, I just listened. I didn't say anything. Didn't know that much about it in the first place. So I just agreed. Maybe didn't even ask a question. And so because um, I didn't say too much, she said to me, are you married? Yes, I'm married. She said, how long have you been married? Well, 58 years. Oh. Now listen, she stood back, you know, 58. 
She said, well, what's the secret? So we discussed a few things about that. And she said, well, how old are you then? <laughs> Everybody wants to know that. So we does that a little bit. She asked a lot of personal questions. I answered them. So finally, I said to her, I would like to share with you how I got this way. Do you mind? No. So I began to share her the gospel. Why I am what I am and what I'm doing. And she put her head down a little bit. And she couldn't believe what I was telling her. And then she said to me this. She said, why are you telling me? Because I like you. Amen. How many people come and tell you like you for a different reason? She never heard. People would like her for different reasons. I wanted to like her for a reason that she needed to know why I was like I am. You couldn't believe the difference in the countenance and the approach that lady made to me when I said I like you. So I want to share with you the joys that I have in the lifestyle. Brothers and sisters, we have to have a deep love for those that are lost. We have to have a burden for souls, kindness. One time in a bank where I used to do business, I waited in line for the teller, and there were other tellers there. And pretty soon the other teller said, no, go here, go there. No, I'm going here. And they look one another, how come? So I finally got up there and um, to the lady, lady about 50 years old and she knew me only from coming to the bank i didn't even know her name she only knew my name from the check i deposited so she said to me why did you wait to do your business with me and i said because i like you <laughs> tears rolled down her cheeks tears rolled down her cheeks and I said, I'm sorry for saying, but I appreciate you and I like you. I don't know why you're crying. She says, my husband just left me. She was rejected. Somebody come along and tell somebody that rejected, they like you, was a needed thing. And pretty soon this one here and that one there, what's the matter here? I liked her. You don't tell people you like them. Even the same sex. You tell them that, you get a funny idea. My neighbor, a male, every time I leave him, you know what he says to me? I love you, Dale. I love you, Dale. Well, the first time he said that, I backed away. <laughs> I'm not ser I'm serious. <laughs> this guy is married. You love me. You want to see me? He puts it, you know, well, I'm not even used to that. Even from women, I back away. <laughs> he says, I love you. For me to tell another male I love him, I don't know how they would treat me. What is the point? The point is we need to have a love. Thou shalt love thy God with all thy heart and what? You never tell your neighbor you love them. When was the last time you ever told your wife, I love you, honey? Like you mean it, like not, it's like reciting the, the Boy Scout code or something. <laughs> We need to be filled with love, kindly impulses and affections. 
You need to have that they understand. You're not after them, you're after their soul. Amen. You want them to enjoy the same message. Now I open this little talk with some pretty hard text. If you don't do this, your reward is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Nobody is going to walk out of this church and start doing evangelism because they're afraid of weeping and gnashing of teeth. No. Jesus is just saying that's what it is. I close with the third angel's message. The third angel's message says if any man worship the beast, and thus and so on, thus and so, he's going to be destroyed. The last message that Jesus gave is a life and death message. You either are in life or you're in death. Brothers and sisters, I think it's time, like Titus says, to renew and to refresh so that we may go out of this church and say, by the grace of God, I'm going to pray with somebody. Amen. I'm going to sing with somebody. I'm going to do something for the Lord. I'm going to deny self and sacrifice and share this great message of the soon coming of Jesus Christ. If that's meteorite that he talked about were to hit in Miami, people would be pretty sober today. They would be pretty sober. If it hit your home, you would be pretty sober. It is only, listen, get it straight. It is only by the grace of God that any of us are there. There's a hedge around Job. There's a hedge around us. Let that hedge, let, and who knows what might help us. So brothers and sisters, can we just bow in our hearts to say by the grace of God, I cannot be the same. Jesus is coming. I have these talents I want to share. I want to self-deny. I want to sacrifice whatever it takes for the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.